and welcome to the May episode of the Waterlog Podcast. My name is Dan Ginolfi. And I'm Howard Marlowe. Thanks very much to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today for hosting us. On today's episode, we'll be covering some highlights from the Senate Draft Water Resources Development Act bill, which came out last Friday. And then we'll have uh, some discussions about investments in major national coastal infrastructure projects like the Ike Dyke, New Jersey Back Bay Study, New Jersey New York uh, Harbor and Tributary Study, uh, Norfolk, Miami Beach, uh, and much more. Uh, but first, we're going to start off with, uh, start off with some situational awareness. Let's get started. Well, annual wrangling over appropriations, all the spending bills just starting right now. There's an election in November, so be prepared. Congress will pass a continuing resolution at some point before the end of the fiscal year on September 30th. And the two parties will reenact the same positions they had last year in the wrangling over the appropriations bills. Basically, the Democrats will push for more spending on social programs. Republicans push for more on Pentagon funding. We have a feeling this face-off may not be finished until a lame duck session that would be after Election Day. So some uh, continuation of the current chaos that we've seen among the spending bills Yeah, there's in the always past. something new in the chaos, but it really is some version of something we saw last year, five years ago. We'll find that it's... You know, we're all used to it by now. Right. Next up, the uh, the famed Section 7001 uh, solicitation is back. As many of you listeners know, uh, Section 7001 refers to uh, a process of requesting new studies uh, from the Assistant Secretary of the Army, who then sends his or her recommendations to Congress. So without earmarks, it was the only way Congress could authorize new studies. Now, listeners who follow Waterlog on LinkedIn know as he, uh, the ASA just published a notice in the Federal Register uh, soliciting requests. So even with earmarks, this means that Congress has at least partially committed to the 7001 process as the foundation for new authorizations. There were several projects, um, if not a majority, that were found in the annual Section 7001 report, but nevertheless have been included in the pending Senate Word Bill. Uh, we recommend going through the Section 7001 process with su- the, the support of a member office. And if you, need to have, if you need help with the submission, please let us know. We have the distinct recognition of having a 100% success rate with congressional project authorizations. Now, before we get into WARDA, which is a bill that is affecting um, the nation's water resource projects, I'd like to raise an issue that is affecting the nation's water resource projects and policies. It's really the lack of a unified voice speaking for America's coastal communities. I'm struck uh, by the fact, Dan, that the word of legislation that we'll be discussing in a moment really contains a lot of congressional statements on specific projects. If you're into bill reading, you've got to take a look at the kind of detail that micromanagement Congress can get into. And I don't use that in a negative sense, because if you need help on a project— and you need a little tweak done from a, you know, get it from the normal uh, core process and maybe just improve it a bit. Uh, the bill has a lot, a lot that's uh, very good at it. But there's extraordinarily, extraordinarily little that's said in that bill about, uh, you know, what our nation's approach will be to the coastal crisis that's facing all of our coasts. We have rising sea levels, you've got land subsidence. In some areas, you have sunny day flooding, 
plus the impacts of repetitive rainfall and, of course, storms. We need leadership from Congress, but it's not there. And it won't be there, in my opinion, until local coastal governments band together to get the funding and technical assistance they need. Each community's coastal crisis solutions may be different, but there is a need for a unified voice in Washington. It's a subject we'll be talking about in future podcasts, but I did want to raise it today and invite our listeners to, to let us know what you feel. All you have to do is send an email to howard at waterlog.net or dan at waterlog.net if you prefer, and we'd be happy to hear from you. So as we mentioned, the Senate uh, released its version of WERDA last Friday, um, and much of the conversations that we've heard uh, have legislators and members on the committee referring to this as a slimmed-down, light-on policy bill, this Congress. And I think, I don't know necessarily we fully believe that, although it is hundreds of pages shorter than previous word of bills that we have. But there are a couple specific sections that I'll let you get into in just a minute that are actually uh, at least a few sections that are actually fairly policy-heavy. Um, so... Now, the House has not set a date on the bill, but usually the House version follows roughly a, monthly, uh, a month behind its Senate counterpart. And when the final bill is out, we'll do our, do our own section by section of all the provisions affecting the coast. Uh, but right now, we just want to highlight a few. So, Howard, why don't you get us started with uh, Section 101? Well, the beginning section of the bill says that while conducting feasibility studies, the Secretary, referring to the Secretary of the Army for Civil Works, but that is also referenced to, in essence, the Corps, shall formulate alternatives to maximize net benefits from nine categories. For riverine discharge, inundation wave attack and erosion coinciding with a hurricane or a coastal storm, a tide of any magnitude, a rainfall event of any magnitude, seasonal variation in water level, groundwater emergence, sea level rise, subsidence, or any other driver of flood risk affecting the study area. Well, that number nine, I guess, can include a lot of things, but I think it's uh, a very pregnant uh, section in terms of the kinds of things that it's trying to get the court to take into account. I think, oddly enough, it doesn't include enough because it doesn't include all the environmental factors and the like, but Nevertheless, it has a purpose, and it's one that is a very positive one. Then also in Section 115, development of a non-federal interest advisory committee is authorized by this. Now, federal advisory committees have a special place in law, and without going into great detail about them, any time they meet, there has to be a notice in the Federal Register well in advance of the meeting and discuss the time and place of the meeting. Um, it's a public meeting and all things like that. So it's a very important group. And uh, this advisory committee that's proposed be composed of representatives of various types of projects, navigation, flood risk, coastal storm risk, emergency preparedness with respect to coastal protection, ecosystem restoration, Water supply, hydropower, etc. Now, this is this is an interesting one because, as you and I have discussed, I think on previous podcasts, there's a number of congressional 
committees or caucuses that exist on paper but really don't exist in reality anymore. At least at one at one point in time, they met. Um, but perhaps nowadays, you know, it may maybe five, ten years since groups have met. So I think that this is interesting. It's, uh, as you just mentioned, it is uh, asking for representatives for, for example, a coastal storm risk management, a flood risk management, uh, hydropower, uh, you know, and I don't know if that means one individual representative or they'll be getting multiple, but there, this is a way for the for Congress and, and the Corps to really solicit input from non-federals um, in more of a holistic fashion than just on a project-by-project basis. And so I think that's going to be really helpful. I think it will, too. Um, a number of years ago, uh, some listeners uh, may remember that uh, we were involved in a meetings. We were involved in a series of meetings with OMB. And at one point, uh, I suggested that we have... I was too dumb to recognize at that time that advisory committees exist, but I said we need to have a committee that meets regularly to resolve the issues and the differences of opinion between OMB administration and those of us who are, you know, the ones who are the, what would you call it, clients, users, whatever you want to call it. And uh, for about one minute, they liked the idea. And then they said, oh, that will involve the advisory committee law. And we don't want to get involved in that. So I hope this time there is an advisory committee. It's done, obviously, in this case, for more than coastal interests. But I think it's a very good idea. That's good. So moving on to the next section, um, we have about 27 new feasibility uh, study authorities uh, coming in WERDA. Uh, And again, many of these were included in the Section 7001 process. Uh, 27 projects, a number of projects in Hawaii, which is interesting, um, all across different islands in Hawaii, um, coastal storm risk management projects and ecosystem restoration projects all over the place, which I think is great. It is. And, and when they're worded that way, it's important to understand that the Corps has a multipurpose project. It can take a look at uh, basically ecosystem restoration uh, nature-based solutions, a variety of things that it can't do with just coastal storm risk management. So I, I saw a number from Massachusetts, too. So Oh, yeah, a lot from Massachusetts. Yeah, so it's good. It's good to see these getting authorized. Authorized doesn't, you know, it's the first step. They have to get funded, but you can't get funded until you're authorized. See if there are any changes in the House bill. I don't... I'm... I think there usually are. They, they usually have a different list, particularly if they're using this modified Section 7001 approach and earmarks. Then they'll have some earmarks of their own. So it's it's going to be a, a year of um, a water bill where there's a lot of new studies that are going to be authorized. And it tends for me to mean a, um, a more vital core of engineers' future in terms of dealing with uh, new problems. No, I don't see any you know, particularly 50-year beach nourishment projects that have been reauthorized. Um, that's potentially possible. But I want to point to the next section, Section 204, which has to do with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a section on studies for periodic nourishment. Uh, some of our listeners may be familiar with what's called the Section 1037 process, which is a process in which uh, a non-federal can request an, a, an extension of 15 years on their federal beach nourishment project. And this requires the Corps to go back and take a look at the economics and recalculate a benefit-cost ratio for, in essence, the next 50 years. Now, 
Howard, you may be able to tell me for how long that Section 1037 has been around for. But that was only for a 15-year extension, though. Right. right. It's been around for the last several years, and, and only one client is, not client of ours, but one project has successfully used that. For, for an additional 15. 15 years. Because I'm going to, because of this provision now changes that 15-year 15 uh, extension to 50 years, which is, in essence, a full feasibility study for another 50-year beast nourishment project. So yeah. it, it really kind of, it, it really makes sense. It kind of brings things full circle. Um, the only difference here is that a Section 1037 was not considered a new start. It was not considered a new investment decision. Um, and this section, in essence, makes a new 50-year study, uh, a, a general revaluation report, which is uh, a three-by-three-by-three three which is core terms for meaning three, $3 million, three years of study uh, involving all three levels of, of the core from district to headquarters. And, so, and a new start. And a new start, uh, yeah. which, is a, which is a challenge moving through Congress because uh, they only offer, I think last year was five, but somewhere between five and eight new starts. That was thrown off by the infrastructure bill, which gave which new starts. More, but, yeah. but generally through the annual appropriations process, it's not more than eight new starts. And you have beach nourishment projects competing with dams and hydropower and other flood risk projects. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a competitive process. So since we're talking about some bigger projects, um, you know, wanted to mention projects like the Ike Dyke Back Bay Study, Harbor, uh, the New York Harbor and New York, New Jersey Harbor and Tributary Study, and then talk about seawalls and Norfolk and what Miami's going to do to keep themselves <laughs> dry and uh, free of sunny day flooding. Uh, but during the last few years in Congress, the best way to get a big coastal project is to have an equally big disaster. Except in response to storms, there have been only one or two coastal projects authorized by Congress um, over about the past 25 years. Um, each of the new projects has been authorized and funded post-storm or post-hurricane or other disaster. Many of these projects would never have been funded during the annual appropriations process, but today, a big disaster is a big ticket to federal participation. To put things, uh, to give some context, the Corps provides roughly $200 million annually through standard uh, yearly ap uh, appropriations bills. Add a couple major disasters and a supplemental disaster appropriations bill can easily double or triple that figure. Yet even in years when disasters cause billions in damage, no matter the funding stream, there never has been enough funding uh, provided to construct a monstrosity like any of the flood control projects proposed in Texas, New Jersey, or New York. Levies in Louisiana cost roughly $14 billion, and Corps officials say they will only be adequate for the next four years. It took nearly 20 years to complete their planning post-storm. Projects like the Ike Dyke, designed to protect Galveston Bay, will dwarf even the largest public projects funded in the world, the Katrina levees and any other coastal barriers uh, such as the ones in the Netherlands. So our question is, how will these massive projects be funded? At a total cost of $31 billion, which will be authorized in this WERDA bill, um, some believe that the only way to truly build projects like the Ike Dyke effectively is through supplemental funding in response to a major natural disaster. This, of course, would be right in line with America's reactive-style defense playbook against Mother Nature. The only time the Corps has gotten more than $200 million for coastal projects has been in post-disaster supplemental appropriation bills. With price tags in the tens of billions for roughly a half a dozen to a dozen or more projects, the question is where will all this money come from? As they say in Texas, go big or go home. The project in Texas aims to harden 70 miles of coastline with artificial dunes, seawalls, and vast steel gates, making the bay a veritable fortress that could be sealed when the hurricanes threaten. 
It's ambitious and it's expensive, but it may still be woefully inadequate. In New Jersey, the plan is, the plan is to build floodgates and seawalls along inlets and back bays. In, the, in Norfolk, seawalls and beach nourishment. In Miami, massive dunes, pump stations, and more, just to keep sunny day flooding off the roads. And in the New York Harbor, massive floodgates like Texas that will cause probably more environmental harm than flood protection benefits. And even $50 billion won't cut it, and this is our tax money. So who's next? I mean, not Washington, D.C., San Diego. I mean, there's... We already have a fl- <laughs> we already have floodgates in Washington D.C. As you remember, down they're on actually the- quite interesting to look at too. The yeah, way they're yeah. just integrated into yeah. Some you, of our- if you're anywhere around the Washington Monument, <clears throat> you'll the, see them, or the World War II uh, Memorial. <clears throat> you know, just look and you'll see them. Um, I think it's a dangerous trend for the country uh, to be walling everything in. I understand. Uh, we used to represent the folks in Galveston and. I understand exactly, you know, what the risk is that they're facing. But there, there are other approaches, it seems to me, that have to be looked at that are maybe just as hard to accept um, because they may involve moving homes and things like that, um, but maybe easier to uh, deal with financially, easier for our country to decide what its coastline is going to look like in 50 years. Uh, because really, it's a period we're talking about right now, 50 years and beyond. Uh, that isn't to say you can wait 50 years. This problem's already happening now. But the fact is that uh, the concern that I have is that the Corps does these studies and it's based upon their flood risk management approach and their BCRs and everything like that. And the more and more you're going to see these problems, the more and more you're going to see core studies that will come up with floodgates, seawalls, and the like. And they, they've got to come up with other approaches that are alternatives to that. They may involve some, some walling, particularly in some port areas. We particularly have to be able to be concerned about direct hit on uh, be it Houston or uh, New York, uh, coming straight, uh, you know, up the Hudson River. Um, but the bottom line is, we're going to have to look at other approaches. And just knowing you have an authorized thirty-one billion dollar project should give nobody a satisfaction of knowing that the core gets. Let's assume they do. Let's assume they get more this year than they get than they've ever gotten. Let's assume they get nine billion. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many years? How many individual years are they going to have to make appropriations to fill the thirty-one billion dollar pot? It's more it's, than anybody wants to think about because it is literally impossible in 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 today's current funding protocol, if you will. It will never happen. It would have to happen post-storm. And plus, the amount of time that it would take, we know that things can be expedited. But if you say, here's $2 billion this year, $2 billion the next year, $3 billion the next year, this project's going to take 15 years to build. And by the time we've built it, it's just like the levees in Louisiana, it's going to be inadequate. So I think it comes down to making room for the river, which I believe is a, a what, you know, what the Dutch say. 
And then one thing that you've also said is this is just the cost of doing business in this country. We look at $31 billion, as most people would, as a freaking massive amount of money. But it's really not when you look at the rest of the federal government's Yeah, we, we, we've treated these kinds of expenses as the cost of doing business. Uh, I'm not sure how long we can continue to do that as the costs really escalate. Um, you know, $31 billion might have been the cost, I can't even think of one, of one post-disaster bill uh, in terms of core projects and repairs to those or even new ones coming out of it. Uh, oh, and that $31 billion doesn't include you know, maintenance or no. renourishing the beaches in Galveston because it does include beach nourishment and dunes and things like that, which are not the same as concrete walls. And Yeah. So... I mean, it's a lot to consider, and I know that there are a lot of strong opinions uh, about this, but we have really got to face the reality that there have got to be some alternatives that we look at that are more cost-effective, more affordable, if you want to put it that way, and provide some level of risk reduction. At the same time, there are going to be have, have to be trade-offs for that. Um, and those are the hard things to accept. But without leadership, you can't accept them. You know, leadership is something we've talked about before. When you don't have leadership saying, well, okay, folks, here's the honest truth about what we have to do here. We got this $31 million proposal. It's great. I mean, the design is fantastic. It's just not going to be built. No. So what are we going to do to help those folks? Right. We agree something needs to be done. Something absolutely so. needs to be done. You just, you know, we didn't write off New Orleans. We're not going to write off any other part of the country. We may very well have to, again, talk to people about what has to be done to reduce risk so you don't need to wall off, the, you know, the coast of the United States. Right. We'll stay on these issues and bring them up in future episodes. Um, We're going to... Keep tracking the water bill as it moves uh, forward through Congress. It's usually an, an August passing for that bill. Um, we'll be back with you in June with some more updates and look forward to talking with you then. In the meantime, follow us on LinkedIn. That is Waterlog. Simply look for Waterlog. Follow us. Or if you want to follow us, just check in on it every now and then uh, because we put updates uh, between podcasts out there. And we'll be looking forward to talking with you next month. Bye-bye.